Whenever you can send that. Yeah, okay. I would love to. Hello, everybody. I see you filing in. I'm excited. My niece Amira, Sor Belinda, Donnie, Sor Hattie, Jay, my sister Lisa, Sor Regina, Sharon. So, oh, the Soros in the house, my cousin Wanda. Hey, y'all, come on in. This is going to be so awesome. Lolita, Tracy, Tanika, Valencia. Nice to see you. Nice to have you here. Thank you for spending this time. Oriel, Marita, Kayon. Nisi, Sora Jasmine, hey y'all, hey. Hey y'all, hey. Dr. J's in the house. Hey, Allison. Good to see you all. Auntie Shares is in the house. All right, well, we got 30 people already. Let's go. Let's go, Erica Totten. Let me put my water down. So we're going to get right to it. Everybody just move your shoulders a little bit. We're just going to just do a little grounding. I just watched my um, From Jersey to Me finale. So <laughs> it was so good. I love that show. Auntie Shares, did you watch it? I won't give any spoilers, but so I'm feeling good. Feeling rested. Trina, so Vicky, hey. Okay, so... We're just gonna breathe. It's just gonna be three quick set, um, cycles of breathing, feet on the ground, moving your shoulders. And like I, and for those of you who, who are new, what we're gonna do is breathe in really, really deeply through the nose and then push out the belly. It's kind of like counterintuitive, but you push out the belly and then you hold it for four. I'm gonna have you do it on your own. Hold it for four and then breathe it out. And it's like you're breathing out the whole day, just like a, ooh or whatever kind of breath you want to get it out, but make a sound. And let me turn on my light so I have some, so I can look like something. Okay, all right, so let's do it on your own. Go ahead and breathe it in. You're just letting the day melt away. This is your time. Thank you for joining us. Take as much time as you need. Have your water and everything. Okay. Shimmy your shoulders and just get loose and get, get prepared to take some notes. This is gonna be so awesome. Let's see, Sora Sharon, Sora Sharice, my sister Shan Shan, Miriam, Lolita. All right, well, we're just gonna get to it. So I wanted to introduce, because we have so much great information, I just wanna get it cracking. Um, we have Miss Erica Totten here. And so I first met Erica. There is this amazing little group of young collegiates here at Georgetown University, and they call themselves the Melanin Militia, right, Erica? Well, you remember Brave, Brave Summit. That's how I met you at Brave Summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Brave. I didn't know that that was the name that they were calling themselves. <laughs> yeah, girl, they the Melanin Militia. Okay, so these are some sassy little collegiates over at Georgetown, and they have this um, summit called the Brave Summit, and it's all about Black women empowerment, and they have some dope panels, and I have been to maybe four years, but the first year I went, I saw Erica. And so I don't know how... How many panels had you been on for their two? For that day? I mean, how many, how many times have you been a part of their thing? Since the very beginning. 
So, so it must have been the very beginning then. Yeah. So I'm, and then I go to her session because I'm like, who is she? And I'm like, she kind of looks like my tribe. So we go in and she does this, uh, like a presentation and we're all sitting on the floor and people are just talking and saying things. And, you know, I'm the, probably the eldest in the room because, you know, I'm older. And I'm like, these young women are saying some real um, disruptive stuff. And they're not like apologetic about it. And it was so empowering and it was so inspirational. So I just connected with Erica and, I, and then she has, and she'll explain it, she was doing Black Love Sundays or Black Joy Sundays mm -hmm. and then her emotional emancipation circles. So I went to a few of those and, I, and it was, and she's gonna share the intention because the intention is so dope. And then I'm gonna give you my, my feeling when I was there, but I made a very critical decision. I, it, the decision was already made. It was just me pulling the trigger on a Friday in 2017. So this was three plus years ago. It was March of 2017. I had to make this decision. I went to an emotional emancipation circle. It was on H Street that Wednesday before I was making this decision. And I walked up out of there like, ha! <laughs> I walked up out of there and I made the decision and my life has been changed ever since. Leaving corporate America hey. was the decision that I made. And I felt so empowered. And I'm like, yo, I can do this. On top of I was watching Underground at the same time. And I was like, if they can get off the plantation, I can get off the plantation. So welcome, Erica. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting when you, you meet like-spirited like people and we really just like, we've been rocking with each other that whole time. <laughs> we don't see each other every day. We don't talk every day. But if you ask me for something, I got you. And I know it's vice versa. Like, we just, yes, we out Sydney, here connected. Sydney had an issue at school where she saw her friends be thrown on the ground and, and mm -hmm. arrested in front of her at the Arlington County Fair in Virginia. Yep. I, and I took her to an emotional emancipation circle and it just so happened there were just two other people, one other person there. So it was just us. And Sydney was like, mommy, it's not that deep. I'm like, she don't understand the psychological effects that was happening. So I wanted to go in and triage her. <laughs> so I took her to Erica. And so that's how powerful this young woman is. So Erica, let's talk about how you got to emotional emancipation and what brought you on that journey. Yeah. So first I want to just, just to give deep gratitude to you, Wendy, for creating a space like this, for really um, just listening to spirit and moving and not trying to think about like the how and is it going to work and you just yeah. you did that shit. And Thank I'm just you. grateful for you, you. Um, and grateful for the people that are here um, joining us today. Like there's so much, of course, we know going on in the world and to choose a space that really focuses on your own healing. It says a lot about where you are. So I just you know, my spirit bows to you um, and what it is that you all are experiencing in your own uh, spiritual and personal development. And so I just really am really grateful um, for you all to join us tonight. So I would say with emotional emancipation, um, one, oftentimes people think that, it, that emotional emancipation is, is something that I created, right? right? <laughs> and it is not. 
So um, it is in alignment with the work that I do with Unchained Visioning. Um, so a, back, a little bit of background for me, I'm a spiritual life coach, former teacher, uh, former uh, ad executive and marketing executive out of New York too, and then shifted to teaching. And now um, having had uh, my coaching practice and consulting practice since 2011, I'm called Unchained Visioning. And one of the spaces that, um, that I have been trained to facilitate um, is emotional emancipation circles. And emotional emancipation circles were created by the Association of Black Psychologists and the Community Healing Network. Um, and um, I'm trained as a trainer and I also train therapists and psychologists to create healing spaces um, that are accessible, that don't feel clinical, that isn't into this whole just going into the diagnosis um, but really just creating a space for, for Black people in particular um, to heal um, from lots of different things. And I'm going to, I can go further into that too. With emotional emancipation, it really is about um, acknowledging the impact of anti-Black racism um, inter and internalized oppression on um, our emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, physical well-being. Um, and the way in which we hold stress in our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, so it really just offers a process to acknowledge it, um, to be able to give language to things that we're feeling um, that we might not even be able to name. Um, and also creates a space specifically for Black people outside of the view of voyeurism um, and the white gaze, G-A-Z-E, um, to to really have a space that that is just for us so that's one of the spaces that i hold specifically with emotional emancipation circles um along with with other things pop-up healing retreats and and what have you so when we were talking about this particular topic um emotional emancipation how COVID 19 is moving us toward liberation that was really something that came about um and thinking about my journey and the spaces that I've been holding for my clients and virtual spaces that I've been holding um, for, for over a decade now. Um, and so this is where, where we landed. So emotional emancipation it really is about giving um, language and actually being able to name what it is that you're experiencing so that you don't internalize it as something wrong with you. Right. Um, and, so, and then that's definitely connected with self-limiting beliefs in which I'll get into um, as we go forward. Okay, so like I, I could feel that if, you know, some of you who may, depending on where you work, where you know some stuff is going crazy and you know you're not crazy and you know you feel it and you know you have to put the sunny, flowery language on the beginning of the email then you write the rest and then you are you are like whatever you, you finish it off because you don't want to be looking angry mm -hmm. or you don't want to be looking aggressive is that kind of thing to let you know that you are feeling what your body is telling you you are feeling is the permission to know that you are not feeling that that you are not incorrect and your instinct and your gut is telling you what it is and um, we're so used to like suppressing it um, in many ways. It just depends. So how have you, so let's tell them a little bit about your work in Ferguson. That was what really like originally piqued my interest and like, wow, 
Yeah. So a part of my work um, with the Ferguson Uprising, one, um, it isn't, I have never identified as like, quote, an activist um, or I'm not a trained organizer in that way. You know, as a mom, we have to organize lots of different folks as, as the eldest daughter. I had to organize folks as a teacher, like all those things. So those were skills that I had. Mm -hmm. um, and so when the Ferguson um, uprising uh, started, I mean, I don't know about many people here, but, you know, when we were learning about the civil rights movement in school, we would see all the black and white pictures and all of that. And some of us were like, yo, if that was me back then, I would be right, right there with them. Mm -hmm. And when we saw the Ferguson uprising, when we saw a community come together and say, no more killing our children and no, we're not going home. We're going to be out here and right. we're going to hold you accountable and you're going to see our pain. Right. When we saw Ferguson activists or I mean, people just community out there saying no, and then there was an ask for more people across the nation to come and stand with them. Right. There was no way I couldn't go. And at that time, I'm working for myself, but I'm also a stay-at-home mom. And there were so many things that had been happening in, in my life that kind of built up to this moment okay. where I didn't even really have to say anything to my husband. He knew I was going. I wasn't right. asking permission. I wasn't... Like the kids are secure, right? You know, and so, and of course, I had to deal with the ramifications of that as well. Coming coming out of that, because that that definitely was, you know, a time of trauma and a time of, of great uncertainty. Yeah. Um. During that time, but it was it was purpose aligned, right. you know, and there was no way that I could sit on the couch and watch that. Right. And so when I did that, um was a part of the Ferguson Uprising, specifically um, being out there on the front line, um, building community with folks, um, making sure that like, people were connected, making sure that people were safe, and then also um, tending to people's emotional well-being too. So connected with um, my tribe of people who are healers. I, I know exactly where to find the healers in the community mm -hmm. and um, connected with, with folks there. And that is when, um, when I came back to DC and saw that, you know, I don't know if you, if you all remember the early days, there were so many panels and people talking about Ferguson and they were, the people in the panels had never even been there. Right. I remember you talking about this, right? Ooh. And so for me, if you know me, I'm a Sagittarius. And so I got a lot of fire energy. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, the messages that the family in Ferguson, um, the protesters family that, that told me to, this, to spread this message when we get back is to let them know that, you know, this is not about anything other than our safety and our human rights and all of that, right? Like, and specifically the message of you don't care about our bodies, we don't care about your buildings. So we burning this shit down. Okay. Right. And this is, and being in a capitalistic society, you have to impact the money yeah. to make, uh, make an impact. So these were not trained protesters or anything, but being black in this country, you know how things work and you know what it is, what you need to do to really make an impact so that you, your pain is heard. 
Right. And one of the things that was, um, that was a real uh, driver for me is always ancestral wisdom. So as seeing these protests, I always think about the words of, of Zora Neale Hurston, where she says, if you're silent about your pain, people will kill you and say you enjoyed it. Mm. Right. And so for me and what I saw in my community, we're not going to be silent about our pain anymore. And if you know, during that time, it was Trayvon Martin, um, Eric Gardner. Yeah. Um, there were so, there were so many names yeah. like, and, and more names being unearthed where it was just like trauma and type of trauma where of course something is going to blow up. Yes. You know, and so my my blow up moment was like moving to to action. So when we came back to D.C. and there were so many panels, I was being disruptive. Yeah, you were, because one of my girlfriends was running it and you came and do, tore up her shit. One of your friends you was running she, it? Oh, no. She was running one of them. I won't say names, but she was mad. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, and I was like, well, uh, hey. Hey. It is what it is. It's <laughs> you have, when you have a whole bunch of um, certain class Black people just t pontificating to each other, yes, then that's not it. So I, I kind of knew what the panel was about, and then I knew you, and I was like, get them, girl. Yeah, it's about to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so that's, that's really what it was. And I, and I recognize, of course, healing and processing a lot of that. There was a lot of ancestral rage that I was carrying Yeah, that... Um, that I could not bottle up anymore. Right. And, you know, there was a moment um, during a, a C-SPAN panel that was being broadcasted internationally at Bus Boys and Poets. I don't know if you remember that um, or if that was the one you were talking about, but um, I had just gotten back from Ferguson and still had um, the, the anti-tear gas solution on my shirt, stained on my shirt from being wow. gassed by police. And so stood up there and told them like, y'all are talking about something that you haven't experienced, that you don't know. Um, so actually being able to speak to people who experienced it, like if you all are in, I don't know where everyone is coming from, but if you're in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, Ferguson literally looks like Waldorf. It's not an inner city, anything. Wow. And so the way that the media was depicting it was all wrong. And so that was, my charge coming back to my community to let people know that how it's being depicted is not so. Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. And a part of what I was seeing was this like whirlwind of ancestral rage that people didn't know how to name and didn't right. know what to do with. Right. And what was happening is we were projecting trauma back and forth onto each other. Yeah. And so for me, um, knowing that intuitively and instinctively there were things that I was able to, to do that were considered organizing skills um, and activist skills. Um, but just because I was good at it didn't mean that that was my place in the movement. I knew that my place was cultivating space for healing. Okay. And so really had to, to, to be disciplined enough to step out of that role um, and really be about cultivating space for, for healing, to let people know like, after you do the protest and get all of that out, you can come to this healing space and be held, like literally be held and be allowed to cry right. um, and breathe with other black people 
Um, and then also being mindful, teaching about um, the language that we use. When we had protesters um, moving through the streets and saying, I can't breathe, that was a mantra that people were saying. And with that heightened energy, they didn't know what they were doing to themselves emotionally and spiritually. Absolutely not. Because my friend Cheryl and I were downtown in D.C. when they had that march and they were saying, I can't breathe. And Cheryl was like, I am not putting that on myself. She put, brought that to my attention. Your word is your wand. Yep. You have to be careful of your languaging. So, yes, thank you for yeah. that. So, yeah, so it was a lot of different shifts as... Um, we started talking about the emotional and spiritual impacts. People were kind of sharing that language. And so if you notice some of the things and some of the, um, the um, activities and, and spaces that we were creating to build awareness really had um, a healing focus and a joy focus because, you know, a part of using ancestral wisdom to, um, to heal and also to survive, one of the ways that we as Black people um, have survived was through healing and through joy, not just through um, organized resistance and pushing back. We have to create spaces for healing and for joy. Yes. That's how we survive. And so that was what my focus. That's how Black Joy Sunday came up. Yes, and I was just writing that down because, and that's what I want us to talk about. Like everybody is looking at all the negative things, the negative things are happening. You can choose what you want to filter, but you also have to keep the joy yeah you also have to live you are here so erica can share some tools on how we can do that but the black joy sunday so cheryl and i we come rolling up to the house that you were in wherever it was this big old house you got black people just laying out on the grass eating watermelon <laughs> little babies running around it really it's serious ser like the porch was big people were taking a nap you know <laughs> whatever that joy was for you Whatever yep. you want, people were coloring. And me and Cheryl were just like, yo, this is just black people being, just relaxing. Yeah. Just being, just being, you don't have to do, you don't have to, to code switch. You don't have to look behind your back. You don't have to watch your language or watch your tone or watch your face. And, and you know that your babies are safe. The babies were just, Giving me know that you that you can rest because people are watching your babies and we ain't gonna let nothing happen. Yes. Right. Okay. And so that was, awesome. that was and people some people don't don't know the history behind that that Black Joy Sunday was actually created out of the Emmanuel massacre, the church massacre. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. That literally my one of my colleagues and, and dear friends, Aaron Goggins and I, um we're really talking like, if we ain't safe in church, where can we be safe? And that was the first hashtag. Before it was Black Joy Sunday, he has this history, this, this tendency to make long hashtags. So the hashtag was, if we ain't safe in church. And what we did, we just were about taking up space. So we were in Malcolm X Park. Right. And was like, we are, which is a, a gentrified space that people are trying to take it over. Yep. And so we, a part of our resistance and asserting our humanity was taking up space yeah. so, and demanding that this space and creating a safe space for ourselves. And so that's really how that happened. It was created out of trauma. And so one of the things when I'm in looking at this topic of how COVID-19 is moving us toward liberation, mm -hmm. that we are experiencing collective trauma on a global scale. 
And what opportunity that provides us is to create something out of this. Yeah. Right. And so what is it that we're creating? And first we have to start with our internal landscape too, because if we are really being honest, you know, those of us who are about social justice, we have been talking about dismantling systems for decades. Mm -hmm. And we have been talking about like destroying capitalism and destroy, like all, destroying ableism, like all these things. And we see the vestiges of that happening now. Mm -hmm. And some of us are freaking out yeah. about the very thing that we have been wanting. Right. And so, um, and some of us, we know it's like, some of us have said, you know, if we could just, if everything could just stop. Right. Just for a moment. Throw it all away. Right. right. We have said that. Right. Now we have it. Right. And we have this moment of, of kind of like of shock and, and all of that the first few weeks and some of us might still be in it right now. Yeah. Um, but what I want to be able to use this time to do is to really examine, like sit with the question, how can COVID, how is COVID-19 moving us toward liberation? How is COVID-19 moving you particularly toward liberation? Do you want me to show your slides now? Yeah, you can. Okay. All right, let's see. Let's make sure I'm doing this right. Speak your view and then... And I can't wait to hear it. Well, not hear, but to see some of your questions. Yes, please put yeah. all the questions in. And then my sister, Shan, 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 would you mind just filtering through? Because I can't see them now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So just go to so the next here's slide. my information. Oh. And I would say feel free to... Um, feel free to um, take a picture of the slide. And I'm sending it to them too. I've already sent it to them, but I'm going to reset oh, okay. all your information. I'm going to give a link to your website and everything. So perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. So um, let's do this. If you go to the next slide, um, this was similar to how we, we did in emotional emancipation circles, right? So mm -hmm. if there's anybody, um, because we don't, we can't see everyone and, and, you know, the mute feature and the speaking feature isn't, isn't enabled here. You can disregard that. But if it's something, um, and you can disregard the stack too. But what I'd like for us to do is if you want to participate in any of the polls that I have, you can use this link, this website, pollev.com forward slash Erica Totten 140 or text Erica Titan 140 to 22333. Um, because what I want to do now, and if you can back out of that, stop sharing that screen for a moment. Okay. What I want to do is just to get kind of a, a gauge of where people are right now. Okay. One of the things that I do, um, and that's a part of the emotional emancipation circle, we always start with what we say is the timeout. Right, so when we are feeling stress, we recognize it. One, where do we recognize it in our body? Okay. So um, just to ask the folks here, when, um, can someone type that poll address? Um, oh. Yeah, someone's asked, or show it again, that's fine. You can show it again. Oh, oh, just, yeah, you can just share it. Oh, what happened to it? Oh no, hold 
Hold on. Okay, let me go back to the email. It might be down um, in the bottom somewhere. Do you all see it now? I see it. Do you all see it? No, you're not sharing the screen. <laughs> oh, hold on. <laughs> sharing my screen. So as Wendy is getting that together, I'm seeing responses, right? So my question was, where do you notice stress? Like when you're stressed, when do, where in your body do you notice it? Yeah. Um, Shoulders and jaw. Jaw, stomach, neck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back headaches. Yeah. 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 Sometimes like, depending on what it is, I might feel like I'm gonna throw up. It's like in my belly. Just yeah. Like All of those things, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's good to have an awareness. So when you do this timeout, you check into your shoulders, your neck, your hips. Mine is the hips too, that I have an interesting story about that. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when you do that check-in, that timeout, right? Then you do, a, you do a gauge from zero to 10. Zero being absolutely no stress at all. Okay. 10 being the most stress you can imagine for yourself, right? So what I want to do is if you can go back, Wendy, can you share that screen again? Is it the screen with your thing on it? Yes, that has the link to the poll. Okay, okay, let's see. I don't know why it's not like letting me show it because I'm looking at it right here. Did you click share, share screen? I'm getting ready to share screen. Hold on. Sorry, y'all. Me and my technology is not. Okay, here it is. I don't know why it disappears. There you go. Okay. All right. So if you have that poll, I mean, if you have that uh, web address, go ahead to that poll. And I am going to activate it. P-O-L-L-E-V.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you should see. So basically, and I, hmm, I wonder if you could, if you all can see this. We thought that we were going to be able, I was going to be able to share my screen. Yeah. Um, let me see. Okay, so folks are in. I'm in. All right. Now, what is it that you see? Do you see the question? Oh, or no. You're trying to reach isn't here. Okay, so we're going to do this. I'm going to put the question here. Yeah, it says it's not found. Because it's active. It's active. It's active now. So just here in the chat. Okay. From zero, again, zero being no stress at all, 10, okay. the most stress you could possibly imagine for yourself. <clears throat> Put what number you're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. See, six, eight, three. Hey, Asha. Okay, if you're in the poll, if you're able to, to get into that poll, go ahead and do it from the poll as well. And I see your results coming in. I see fives, threes, sevens, sixes. Mm -hmm. People are all over the board. Mm -hmm. Right now with the group, 
it's looking like it's averaging between a three, three and a six. Mm -hmm. I see you going, sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is the intention of this is just to get a gauge of where, where you are. Okay. And once you identify that, you can identify what tool, what essential emotional wellness tool would be most useful for you based on the level of stress. Okay. Essential emotional tool. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that, say if you're usually what I would say is from uh, five below breath work can okay. really be helpful. Um, the settling breath, and that's something similar to what you were doing here. But what I love to do is just kind of give you all a tool right now. Please. Is the settling breath tool. And the settling breath tool is for when you're in like medium fight or flight or freeze. So it's those four stages, fight, flight, freeze, and faint. Yep. And Dr. J went over that with them on her day. Right. There you go. Good. So this is just a, just a refresher too, right? Mm -hmm. So the settling breath is you're breathing in for two counts. So it's a short breath. And then the exhale is four counts. So it's double. And the reason why you want to do that is because you want to activate your parasympathetic nerve, like that nerve system to relax. Mm -hmm. So breathing in for two and then out for four. So let's do that three times. So deep breath in, two, out, two, three, four. In, two, out, two, three, four. In, two, out, two, three, four. So that's the settling breath. Okay, Real set. simple, just to be able to, to do that. And it can feel a little weird, you know, because mm -hmm. you're used to doing kind of like some people teach the box breath, which is good, like an even number all around. So holding, going in for four, hold for four, out for four, right? But this one is just a little different. It's okay. short, breathe in, and then out. And that's very intentional. Okay. Okay. So the settling breath. So you got one tool. Okay. Can we go back to the, to the slides? Okay, we back. Okay. Shall I go to the next right. one? Yes, please. Okay. All right. Um, because I thought we would be sharing, actually speaking, um, I want to hold this question up here and we'll just kind of go in through the comments in here. Okay. Um, and actually, so this is a question. What's one feeling you felt that you've noticed the most over these few weeks of social distancing and quarantining? So I'm going to activate a different poll, the different question. And I, and I can send you these. Well, this, yeah, this will be. Because so, we have like 20, it's like, looks like we have like 20 minutes. We can go over a little bit, but I don't want to waste so much time going back and forth between, because I can't even get into the poll. It's up and it's not letting me in. So I want to be able to do it quick. Okay. So let's do it in the, the chat. In the chat. And then I can those of you who have activated, those of you who are on the poll, it's just that one question. So I'm seeing the word isolated. Okay. So this is a word cloud feature. Okay. Isolated, irritation, 
keep them coming. You can do it in the chat or you can do it in the poll everywhere feature. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing the. Mm -hmm. I wish I could see this. Uh, this screen. <laughs> right now, anxiety and hopeful are the same size in the word cloud. Wow. Okay. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. Something and, and, I, and I go between some of them. I think because I um, have an idea what they were trying to do or what's happening that pisses me off. Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of things and knowing my power and then just knowing the power of the creator and the, the power of the ancestors, then I don't really worry about that. I'm just mad at the, the people who are doing what they're doing. That's what pisses me off. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I vacillate between the two. Yeah. I'm seeing peaceful abandonment, mm -hmm. abandonment, anxiety. I didn't feel anxiety and stress until my job called me to ask me to come back. Mm -hmm. I know that's right. Mm -hmm. That is, that is anxiety inducing for sure. So with this question, it really is, is an invitation to check in your internal landscape of what are the, what's the feeling that you are most aware of that you, that you felt. And the reason why we ask that question is because when we think about um, this time of, of forced stillness, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, what this is bringing up for us it's given us, a again, a time for us to really check in with our internal landscape of what are some of the things that we have been too busy to, to attend to and mm -hmm. to acknowledge. Yep. And usually the feeling that's, that's coming up, um, not always, but usually the feeling that's coming up, that's the one that needs to be attended to, right? So for those of us who... Um, are in a peaceful state, and you can do this in whatever state you're in, if you can go to that, that next question. Okay. Let's this see. is a way for us to really go through is, an is exam. This, what is the spirit? Okay. Yes. All yep. So what is spirit, goddess, the universe, ancestors asking you to face about yourself during this time of stillness? One of the things that has come up for so many when I'm working with my one-on-one my -on -one clients in the virtual spaces that I facilitate um, as well is there are some things that people are not able to just swallow and shove down and push under the rug and until until I have time to deal with it, right? <laughs> a lot of us, all we have right now is time. And this stillness of not being able to fill our time with activities or events or things like that, even though some of us are still trying to, still doing that, we figured yeah. out how to do that. At some point, you're going to hit a wall, mm -hmm. right? Where that thing that you have been 
um, putting off is really, it's just going to be staring you in the face of either we're going to deal with this or not. Like, right. which one are we going to do? Right? right. And so when I think about this, it's definitely connected to any, whatever this belief or things that you want to face about yourself, what is on the other side of that? If you decide to face that, right? So for example, one of the other things I teach about with self-limiting beliefs, how to identify what system of oppression that self-limiting belief is connected to. Mm. So if you, if during this time, if you've been a person that has been about your work and been about producing, if you're an entrepreneur, if you, you know, are the star at work or whatever it might be, right? If you have this belief that your worth is based on what you can produce for other people, that is internalized capitalism. Because if now you are being asked that you, you pretty much either can't do anything or you have to kind of slow down um, what you've been, like how you've been moving, that stillness can be really triggering. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, again, if you are, if you have that belief that if I'm not producing, then I'm not valuable, then this is an opportunity for you to examine really where, how do you determine your worth? And does that feel like liberation to you? So I want to pause there for a moment um and see kind of like what's in the chat and wendy if you see anything um let's kind of tease that out and well uh, miriam is saying she's like where is her where is her faith and where does she stand now yeah anxiety uh raquel's anxiety and how she speaks to and treats herself Wanda is let go of things she no longer needs, free herself from BS. And then uh, Asha is the anxiety in different ways to cope with the anxiety. And um, Pandarine is, is not taking time to love and take care of herself. And then Tony is acknowledging all of her potentials. Yeah. And so her self-care insecurities going within. Elise says it's feeling it's time to clean up mess while boldly and fearlessly creating what I need for me, even in my quiet. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I want, um, I'm, I'm still adjusting to is not, us not really being able to hear each yeah. other um, because I would love to be able to unpack some of these things. And how much time do we have, Wendy? Is this an hour or is this? It's an hour, but you know, people want to stay a little bit longer there. We can stay on and they can stay if they want to. And I think that I can put people on. I think yesterday I was able to get somebody on. So we can try that. If somebody yeah, let's see raise if their hand and then I can bring them on. Okay. Yeah. Erica raised oh, I'm all about consent. I'm not going to call on nobody just out, out the blue. But okay. if it's something, particularly to the question that I asked, what is it that spirit is asking you to face about yourself? All right, Erica, you got to be on, sis. You got your bonnet on, say. <laughs> and I would love to be able to see if you could turn your video on. I, I don't know how to do any of that. I just wanted to be at the bottom and say, hey, um, that was it. Oh, do you see? But I don't see it. Oh, do you, do you not? Does anybody have something that they want to ask for what she's referring to? 
So I'm seeing things, particularly what's sticking out to me is finding self after heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Amira, I don't know if you want to to get some some specific support in that of like being able to tease that out. Amira, do you want to you want to be brought on? And you don't have to be. Yep, I'm just asking. That was one of the things. Amira say yes. Okay. okay. All right. Let me um Amira. And I, I want to pause for a quick second, Allison. What I'm seeing, you would you said I think that I am the caretaker. Now, I'm just going again with spirit, right? There is a difference between being a caretaker and a caregiver. A caretaker just takes care of shit without even being asked. Like you feel like that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. A caregiver gives care when they have the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial capacity, right? So when they're asked and when they have the capacity, sometimes as caretakers, that's, you know, that's a a more noble name than people pleasing, right? (laughs) Um, But that's, that's the trickery of it, right? You think that it's something, you know, you're just taking care of stuff right Mm -hmm. but not even just who takes care of you but what's really your intention like if you could go to to the root it goes again and and i'm willing to be wrong and you let me know if this resonates but there you find some value in taking care of stuff Mm -hmm. and there's a desire for that to be reciprocated that people will take care of you too. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes that doesn't happen. Right. Because those of us who are taking or caretakers, we don't often let people in our community know that we also need care too, because we don't ask for it. Right. But some right. of us martyr ourselves and just be like, I take care of everything just so they can say, I take care of everything. So you gotta pick the poisons, I feel like. Yeah. Okay, Amir. Allison are- McNeil, I was talking to Allison Smith. Oh, okay. <laughs> Allison was asking, yeah. So, Amira, are you going to show your are you going to show your face or no? We can't hear you. You can? Okay, now I, I can hear something. Can hear yeah, it doesn't give me the option to share my video at the bottom. It's just audio. Oh. Oh, probably because it's a webinar. Okay. Another feature. Yep. That's fine. We can hear your voice. Yeah. What's the question, Amira? Well, I just been working on and speak up in the picture yeah, in the camera because we can't hear you at all. I mean, in the speaking right now. Yes, perfect. Yeah. Okay. So I just been working on literally just finding myself again. I I left like a three year relationship about six months ago, mm-hmm. and it's just been a roller coaster of just feelings and um. I think like trying to move on from them without actually acknowledging them was the problem in the beginning. And then now recognizing like what I'm feeling and then now trying to figure out how I can help myself live my best life basically. And I guess I think my focus was to get back to feeling like normal again or like myself. But I think I'm just a new person at this point. So mm-hmm. just wanted to relearn myself and then feel comfortable in that space at the same time. Yeah. 
and a part of that that work you're you are spot on and most of us know what it is that we need right sometimes we might just need permission or affirmation mm-hmm. but that part of, of you saying like what is spirit asking you to face about your, about yourself during this time finding who you are again with heartbreak and a part of one of the things that are um that could be the blocks and this for anyone who um who is being faced with something and you feel a block, oftentimes that block is grief, unprocessed grief of any kind. It doesn't have to be someone transitioning. It could be the transition of a relationship, of a job. Usually the main blocker is unprocessed grief. Mm-hmm. And we're experiencing a lot of grief and I mean, collective grief right now the grief of the year that we thought this was going to be grief of opportunities right contracts that we had that were canceled like any of those things and actually even grief of people you know who actually have passed and so one of the ways um, of getting back to yourself um is is acknowledging the grief you know after you know being in a a relationship I think you said was three years and breaking up six months ago um, and and going through this experience of social distancing right. and awesome. not not being partnered can bring up all types of stuff and so one of the ways that that it could get you that you could be getting back toward yourself is allowing yourself if you haven't already but just checking in with yourself have you allowed yourself to grieve you know, no matter what, the, how the relationship was, um, there is still grief there, grieving what you hoped it would be, grieving the loss of a, of a companion or whatever that might be, um, grieving even, you know, if you lost yourself in that relationship, grieving that. Um, so really kind of doing a deep dive and like, have I allowed myself to grieve? Um, and there's a grief letter ritual um, template on my website at ericatotten.com that kind of walks you through that that process um, of being able to process that that grief, well, grief of any kind. Well, I, I want to just jump in right there and tell you, um, Erica, you weren't on the call a few days ago. I was telling them about I was watching this woman not grieve right mm-hmm. 27 like a young woman under 30s i would say she just looks pretty young mm-hmm. her two-year-old on saturday got too much uh water in his nose in the bathtub mm-hmm. brain dead died on monday right oh, she's wow. on facebook 12 hours later talking about i'm being strong for everybody i'm good it's okay i'm being strong for y'all I'm getting the texts, I'm getting the calls, but I'm strong. And I was just sitting there going, oh, oh my God. The violence, the damage that she's doing to herself because she's not, she's in shock right now, I'm sure. But just the fact that she almost wore it as a badge of honor that she was trying, that she was being strong. And that's the role that black women play. And she's young, so she's already stepped into the role on the death, the accidental death of her beautiful two and a half year old little baby boy. Yeah. And that's that piece of part of our conditioning that we talk about. Like that's a way um, that we internalize 
that that conditioning. So a part of us freeing ourselves, again, allowing our, when we talk about how is COVID-19 moving us toward liberation is creating space for us to grieve. Yeah. You know, so if this is an invitation for you to grieve and move through whatever grief that you have not processed, this is an opportunity to be able to, to do that as well. Okay, Essie Grace has a question. Um, not a question, more so, uh, greetings, peace, family. Um, more so, uh, you asked what we feel like the ancestors and the goddesses want us to take from this. And when you started talking about, when y'all started talking about Ferguson, I almost cried. Mm -hmm. Then you started talking about the ancestral things. So, uh, and I wasn't, I didn't even think of it until I just, I welled up and, and I almost typed in the chat and I said, let me just sit tight. And so I know that that's something that I definitely need to deal with. And so there's a lot of anger, which yes. I can't really put my finger on where that comes from. And, and, and I'm powerful. And I know that I'm powerful. And with this much power, anger cannot work. It, it's just, mm -hmm. I have I to operate in love. I got to challenge you on that. You can okay. use anger. Well, well it's, it's misdirected. How about that? There you go. Um, there you it, go. It definitely is being wasted and it's, it's um, being put in directions that is not good for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. those are the things that I need to work on. Luckily, I knew something was coming down the pipeline for a long time. So right now <laughs> I'm in Panama. I just, I think I broke a ram, but I think that's what I needed to do for my sanity. Yeah. So um, I had to do that. And, and so I do feel um, a tremendous amount of peace. I'm connecting, but uh, that anger, I, I've watched it even over the past couple weeks. And it's just, I've always had it with me as long as I can remember, I have to get it guided in the right direction. Yeah. And there's a tool, um, Wendy implored me, like, you got to teach this tool <laughs> for anger. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you all too. I think it'd be helpful Okay. Um, one of the things that I, I want to um, to share about about anger is anger is okay. The mm -hmm. thing that traps us up um, is the rage. Right? Mm. Um, and so if we have anger, um, and this is again something that I'm continuously learning through through therapy, even for myself, um, of understanding. So ancestral rage is something that's like is spiritual, but also that is how trauma travels through our DNA. We carry that with us. So we have to be okay with, um, with anger. Mm -hmm. And some of us are not. And a part of it has been our conditioning because we've been taught as black women to fear this being labeled as the angry black woman, right? But that is also a tool that's used to dehumanize us so much so that we end up dehumanizing ourselves by not allowing ourselves to feel the full range of human emotion. Mm -hmm. For some of us, all we want to feel is love and joy. We are not comfortable feeling anger and even expressing anger. And I'll say for me, I was uncomfortable expressing anger because I knew in the pit of my stomach, there was a rage that if I let it out, I was telling myself, I'm not going to be able to stop. I'm going to be locked up somewhere. Mm 
Yeah. And there was a moment, and I feel, I think you, you heard this story, um, Wendy, too. There was a moment when I was leading a protest, and this was when we, we literally marched through D.C., Maryland, Virginia, back to D.C., Wow. And there was a moment where this is when we were taking taking over highways, bridges and stuff. I remember. Yeah. Right. And I was leading and I looked behind me and there were it had to be over 500 people. And I knew I had a split flash in that moment that if I said if I pointed to a building and said, burn that shit down, they would have done it. And for me, that was that 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 ancestral rage that was coming through we, through me that was not mine. So I had to acknowledge that and figure out other ways because what happens is, I mean, this is a whole nother series to talk about ancestral rage, mm -hmm. but how it comes out and puts us in positions to be back in bondage. Yeah. Because ancestors just want to get it out and you're the vehicle to do it right they can't do it really without your permission and your your surrendering and and some people because we don't we don't teach about this we think that the stuff that we're carrying and this anger is ours but ours it's, it's right. not right and so i want to teach about the i want to do the the energy exercise for anger yeah. but i also want to encourage us to you know to not dehumanize ourselves we got a lot of shit to be angry about yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. So, so trying to stuff it down and judge ourselves for when we feel angry is a way that we dehumanize ourselves that, you know, the oppressor doesn't even have to do it for us. Yeah. Right. That happened to me. So when the whole Ferguson thing, when they, when, when the, everything was popping off and it was all over the TV. Mm -hmm. And then when they did the, um, oh, I think it was when they came with the verdict so I was in LA for work and I'm at my big executive meeting. We're at this fancy schmancy like resort or whatever. Everybody was at the bar and something told me to go to my room to watch the, re to watch what happened because okay. whatever. Right. And it was only a handful of us. Right. I go up there and then it's not guilty. And the grief and all of everything just came up and came out right and um my daughter was in was here and my ex-husband was was with her and they had to call and we had to talk to her about it wasn't okay it wasn't okay that this was happening but then even worse i had to go back to work in this 100 person executive meeting with um, just a few of us and it was business as usual they eating eggs and, and waffles and my whole body was just it was the worst. And I was like, I was, I was damaged at that point. My psyche was damaged. And then I'm thinking these people that I work with, they act like they so cool and liberal. You know, this is entertainment. They supposed to be liberal. And they in here eating waffles and they not know the whole world is burning that like my people are burning on the inside and shit's burning down. Yeah. And it is like, they didn't care. Yeah. So I get that. So there's so many things popping up. So Wanda, you're next. And then while Wanda comes on and says what she wants, her question, then we have Regina who asked a really good question. So we'll go to Wanda first and then to Regina. 
Go ahead, Wanda. Hi, Erica. Hi, Wynn. Hi. Hi, everybody. So the question with the spirits made me face was letting go of items that I no longer need. And the reason why I was holding on to these items was be is because they were given to me by someone special. Whether it was my cousin Wendy, my husband, my aunt Florence, mom, it doesn't, it doesn't, I had, I had no reason to hold on to them. And holding on to those things as I was cleaning my office, I felt so liberated, not because I was throwing them away, but I felt liberated because I was able to say, okay, Aunt Florence, and Wendy, I'm not gonna cry. Okay, Aunt Florence, I get it. I got it. You're no longer with us, but you're here with me always. So I don't need to keep that rusty pen that you gave me when I was 16. Okay, Uncle Welt, I'm gonna get throw this out. I don't need to keep this half broken teacup that you had tea with me when I was a little girl. So items that I was holding on to gave me freedom and peace of mind because I was still grieving my aunt, my dad, my uncle, and my dog. And all of that- All was, died within nine months of each other. Or, yeah. 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 So all of that was very consuming and my emotions were up and down. And Wendy can tell you from with experiencing with me, I couldn't figure out what I was feeling from one day to the next. So when I got in that office and I just started throwing stuff out, it wasn't trash for me. It was letting go of all the grief, all the anger and all the confusion. And I promise you, I feel 100 times better. I no longer cry myself to sleep at night. I'm peaceful. I mean, of course, my husband still gets on my nerves, but <laughs> I feel like a 500 pound weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I still miss my aunt. And my dog. You'll, you'll miss them, but you released. I released. I released. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So thank, thank you. you. This was much needed. Thank you for that question. Welcome. And then Regina says, has the, um, this one's a good one. Can you expand on our conditioning and the internalization of capitalism and self-worth? Yes. Um, and let me see. I think I saw that one. Mm -hmm. It's been a minute. It's been a while ago. The time just goes and the internalization of capitalism and self-worth so um from an ancestral perspective i don't know if you identify as a black black person um or not yeah mm -hmm. um when the first time we stepped onto these shores we were not enslaved right um but when we were when our ancestors were um, their value literally was based on how much they could produce, how many children they could have, how much land they could cultivate, like all those things. Right. Um, and so that was connected to trauma, breeding camps and producing children and having them be sold and producing children that also turned, it turned into quote breeders, like all those things, right? Things that you could produce. Mm -hmm. Also, um, on, on an even deeper level as Black women, of what we produced was then used in, in harmful ways and created harm and, and all of that. It was fueling, what we produced was fueling an oppressive system, mm -hmm. right? And so 
the way that trauma can show up as it travels through our DNA, again, we're holding stuff that is, that is not ours. Our conditioning is to believe that our worth is based on what we can do or produce for other people. Yeah. So it's the ancestral piece, but it is also in this capitalistic system, that is how many of us are rewarded. Okay. Also as black people in this country, um, we are taught, and that was specifically taught from something, um, you know, we know that our, our parents and elders meant, meant well when they said this, but to say that, you know, because of, because of your blackness, because of your gender, you got to work twice as hard. Like Olivia right? Pope's dad said that, exactly, right? Right. But what that does, like we get it and understand, they're talking about the system that we're in, but what it does is it plants a seed of not good enough, right? So even if you are achieving, there's always this underlying thing of not being good enough. So you mm -hmm. keep producing, right? Mm -hmm. To prove your worth. And the thing about white supremacy is the bar always moves, right? We can never reach it because that's how it's designed. There is no assimilating, but you're causing yourself harm to be able to, to, to do that. And there is no perfection, but we're overworking ourselves to prove ourselves worthy. And it doesn't even just have to be to white people. It can be to our partners. It can be to our kids, whatever that is, whatever roles we're in, where we have to produce, if we have that conditioning, we're going to try to go above and beyond because we're trying to prove in our subconscious that we're good enough. Right. So that's when you were talking about Wendy of, of being a martyr and all those things. So that's deeply connected to internalized capitalism because capitalism is like the having goods and commodities and like stuff that that's value and worthy. And in this country, we're taught that you can look at um, the, um, the disability rights movement. Uh, and you can think about like in COVID-19, people literally having conversations of who was disposable. Right. People, people who were differently abled and elders because they can't work, because they can't do these things, they're disposable. Right. And if they're at risk, if they're the only ones that are at risk, it's fine because they don't have any value anyway. People were right. literally having that conversation. They were, yes. And so that is again, a representation of capitalism because people's worth were literally based on, can you work? Can you produce? What is your worth in this society? Right. If that makes sense. So if you have that, it deeply impacts your self-worth because if you are measuring your self-worth in an oppressive system, you are always gonna lose. And well, it Natasha, set up to kill us. Yeah. So Natasha is saying something like, I, um, my security is for how I show up in the world professionally. Mm -hmm. I struggle with still feeling like I deserve success and not leaving people behind. And it shows up in her discipline and procrastination. Um, but she knows that she has the tools. It's just like, it's almost like we might try to um, keep up and then they keep moving the bar. But then your own people might look at you a certain way because you leave in the hood or you're not doing the mm -hmm. things that they do. So how do you balance that? Well, a part of what you, and I'm looking at what, what you're saying. This is the 857, if you can mm -hmm. see. It I says see no it. People, but it says Natasha. Yeah, a part of it is survivor's, survivor's guilt. Yeah. You know, it's, 
um, it's a tricky thing because when you said I struggle with still feeling like I deserve success and not leaving people behind, um, but also how are we framing success? Is it according to capitalism? Is it according to like what standards are we saying that? And when you say leaving people behind, you have to really examine your bias in a way of that where people are is behind mm-hmm. you. Right. right right because people can can be where they are and look at where you are and be like i don't want none of that because nope. what you got to give up what you got to be how you got to talk that thing that don't look like success to me Absolutely. these spaces that you got to be in and learn how to maneuver nope i'm good and where they are they don't feel like they're behind you that they made another choice so mm-hmm. it's just making sure that you aren't um, looking at it from a particular bias that's in our subconscious, forgiving yourself for that, right? But acknowledging how you might be looking at your own people based on this, this particular lens and even how you view success, what lens are you looking at it through? Right. That, right. That's good. I, I want to move into, um, there's two things. I know you're going to teach them the, the exercise, mm-hmm. but then the other one is for people specifically in this COVID-19 time. So you can use all these tools to kind of gauge yourself as, um, you know, you're just checking in with yourself. You're seeing how you show up. You're feeling how you show up mm-hmm. using the breath work and you know, like I know when I'm stressed, when I got my tongue at the roof of my mouth mm-hmm. and I'm like, calm down. Then I know my cheeks are clenched. And I'm like, calm down, you know, mm-hmm. just walking myself sort of like what Cher showed us last night, just intentionally doing a body scan mm-hmm. that will also, and taking the time to do that. But what about these brothers sneaking up on these texts and in these DMs right about now? For those of you who are not partnered up, or you might be partnered up and the ex or whoever is talking about, hey, big head, hey, trying to check on you and see how you're doing. How do you um, keep, what kind of tools do you offer? Because we know that everybody's in shock right now. Some people are grieving. We had all these different things that, that just came up, anxiety, sadness, all these things cause for human beings to want comfort. Mm-hmm. And people are seeking comfort in ways that they know are not good for them. So what do you have to say? How can you liberate yourself from the BS? (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's always a reminder that they are your ex for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if if they wasn't shit then, they definitely ain't going to be shit in a crisis. Right. That's one. That's my (laughs) initial thought. Okay. Um, I also recognize, like, one, you just got to be safe overall yeah now i don't know how i speak very candid so let me know what this this rating is this more like pg-13 right no, no we grown-ups okay so some <laughs> sometimes um not and not assuming heteronormativity on on anyone sometimes like the dick you know is safer than the dick you don't know right that's one. Yeah. Yeah. But also, also, um, you know, people be out here. 
So it don't mean that that you know old homeboy, old homegirl, whoever is safe, you know, because they were your ex. You don't know like where they've been, and especially we don't know how COVID nineteen is being spread. Right. So my thing is, if you got to know yourself, yeah. If you can't handle just experiencing and receiving and giving pleasure and having it be it don't try to get into something casual right right if you know you're gonna be in your feelings then don't just acknowledge that and don't do that don't go back that way because you're already in your feelings like we're on we're in our feelings because this is a crisis right exactly exactly we're already stretched our emotions are already stretched and so and it is for them too you know so we're just if you know whoever is coming at you in these dms because i've been seeing it on timelines and the chit chat with some of my friends about it and kick and like he can about it but you have to really be safe because everybody's emo many people's emotions are very thin so if you go back and put yourself in that situation you know yeah remember also harm to yourself yes and that was one of the facebook live that i did the other day the whole point the number one rule during this time is to do as little harm to yourself as possible yeah do as little harm to yourself as possible and if you know going back and engaging with the ex is going to end up causing you harm don't do it right get your toys masturbation is amazing yep and meet your needs right meet your don't, needs. don't have your pleasure be tied up or connected to somebody else your pleasure is your own and so if you aren't able to create and, and give yourself pleasure that's something that you need to explore during this time yes and so pamela tell that story because pamela is saying amen we are also seeking comfort foods tell your tell your story of little debbie's Oh, yes. So (laughs) I was, so I'm an emotional, I, let me switch that. Be very careful what you say after I am statements. I had to catch myself. You talked about it. So I experience emotional eating. Um, And one of the things for, excuse me, daughter, what? My daughter is leaving me notes under the door. Not the way, baby. Um, so one of the things that I, um, experienced is emotional eating. And when I was listening to that, uh, that podcast, I was sharing the read where Crystal was talking about what her therapist shared with her as a number one, number one rule, do no, do as little harm to yourself as you can. I was really examining in what ways am I, am I harming myself? And the first thought was like, how i've been like consuming food it hasn't been all like bad it hasn't been wild but the first few weeks i was going through them quarantine snacks i was grabbing like whatever like i was like whatever felt good right yeah and so i was talking to my therapist and i found i was like i don't remember the last time i had little debbie's oatmeal cream pies and fruit (laughs) roll-ups like that is not how i eat at all Right. And, and it's not how my kids eat either. And so, but that was what I was really drawn to. I think I was, when I was doing some, some shopping, when I'm getting groceries and, and all of that stuff in the beginning, um, there was a big little Debbie, you know, the big fat ones, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> milk cream by the, uh, 
um, by the register and I had one that was eating it on the way home and I could not stop thinking about it. That was the trigger for me. So I went back, got a whole box and got some fruit roll-ups. And what my, um, what my therapist was saying, because I really, in that moment, talking to my therapist, I was judging myself. Like I was saying, that's causing me harm just to be consuming it. And what she said was, it makes sense to, that you're turning to what looks like childhood, childhood treats of yours, childhood snacks. So yeah. that little girl is seeking a time, but that's a, a, a memory of a time of safety Comfort. and and a time of no responsibility, yeah. right? That you were just taken care of. And so she said, it's okay for, for you to eat the little Debbie's cream pie and the fruit roll-ups. But when you're parenting your inner child, you just don't want them to go crazy, right? You can let them have, have some sweets, but don't go crazy with it. Yeah. And so it, that just broke me down because I was just like, okay, I don't gotta, and I, and I try to make sure that when it comes to food and how I eat that I'm not um, operating out of any like fat phobic standards or, or things like that, making sure that I'm like not equating thin to beauty and thin to health and, and all of that. Right. Um, so I'm like really mindful of that. And so, but when she, when she said that to me, it was similar you know, to what you were, what another person here was saying is she gave me permission to just be okay with giving myself comfort. And so just making sure that as a little kid, I'm not allowing her to do harm to herself and me from right. consuming. So yeah. one of the things that I wanted to um, end with, cause we're, we're getting, we're way past the normal time, but I appreciate you staying on and I appreciate the whole, everybody stay. So everybody stay. <laughs> um, when I was on your emotional emancipation, so I want you to talk to them afterwards about your circles so that they can join yep. the circles. Mm -hmm. You all would love it. So I joined one, I guess it was last Wednesday and, she, and Erica was asking us to talk about how we feel. And I, and I think we talked about this as a group for those of you who are here with me on Monday or Tuesday, I knew I was angry, but I hadn't said it because I kind of felt like kind of guilty for feeling it because I, I don't believe that I'm going to get sick. Um, just because I've been working on my immune system for, for many years. That's yeah. the things that people are doing is what I do every day. It's a lifestyle. Right. And I do believe that my immune system will fight whatever it needs to fight. So I wasn't scared, I was more angry. And Erica asked us, and this one woman came on and she talked about how she felt. And it was like, Erica gave her permission to feel it. And I'm sitting there going, I feel a certain kind of way too. And it just freed me up. I felt so free. And then she did this um, exercise, is it called the chop? The wood chopper. The wood chopper. Mm -hmm. He did this um, wood chopper exercise. And I'll send you the, you send that to me, Erica, and I'll send it to them so they can just click right through and, and sign up for it. Okay. If, if it's not going to work here. Yeah, you, can, you might just need to be able to like copy. Copy, copy and paste it, it into it. Yeah, I but I felt like I usually don't need permission for stuff because my mom never even, my mom was, ne my mom is still never, like a hard driver and I didn't like have to ask her to do stuff. I always had my own life. So I, 
I feel like I just shouldn't have felt angry is what I felt. Mm-hmm. Like I should, I was guilty. I yeah, I was judging myself because I don't get permission from people for stuff. So yeah. I was just like judging myself, which I, which I, which I am prone to do. But when you, you gave that wood, that, that wood chopper and then other people were feeling how they were feeling and it was okay. And you kept saying it's okay. And I was like, it is okay. Then I was just like, okay, Erica needs to tell the people, just tell the people. And we did talk about a little bit on Tuesday or Monday or whichever day that was about how people were feeling maybe. And then we talked about it earlier today, but it's okay to feel how you feel. And it's the the duality of it. If, If you feel sad sometimes, you can feel happy sometimes. You feel angry sometimes. You can feel jubilant sometimes. Because you're a human and being. You're a human being, and these are the emotions that we're given, but we're so used to suppressing them, and we're so used to suppressing the ones that we have labeled as bad and elevating the ones that we have labeled as good. So it, just in the last year, I and have- ones that we're taught that are not safe. Are not safe. Right? There's some of the things that sometimes we don't allow ourselves to feel certain things because they're not safe. It is not safe for black people to express anger. Mm-hmm. So we have to like recognize that and a part of our liberation is giving ourselves permission to feel whatever right. it is. The world is not gonna do that for us. Yeah. We have to give ourselves permission to feel and seek out spaces where we can allow, where our feelings are valid and free and affirmed. And yeah. that's really the power of emotional emancipation circles that all your feelings are valid. Right. right? Get it and understand. Right. But you gotta give yourself that permission. The world is not gonna do that for you. And people, some people are in your life are not gonna do that because they are uncomfortable with certain right. emotions. Right, right. Right, I, I think that um, the duality, like the, the like I've always been, uh, um, a stereotypical good girl. Like I, I, I wore that badge as like a, a badge of honor through my twenties and whatever. You know, I was the good girl. I was the church girl. Blah blah blah. Right. And I'm fifty this year, and I'm like, I'm embracing them that duality. I'm embracing yep. that dark. And I'm a Scorpio too. I'm embracing all of it. Scorpio all rising. Of, like like Sid Sid said, <laughs> don't at me because I, you know, I try I, I try to balance my ego, but I'm less. I'm less likely to um, let stuff go now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it feels good. It feels liberating. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's why I ask people. Don't I be out here wilding out, and I'm not out here wilding out, but I'm less likely to just let little stuff pass, especially little microaggressions now. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get past me. Yeah. They don't, they don't really get past me. And so, yeah, I'm out of corporate America now. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm asking that question, like, you know, when I ask my clients, what does the unchained you look like? Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, all of that. And as we're moving through our work together, once you start unearthing, right? Mm -hmm. Asking, does this feel like liberation? You holding in your anger, you not allowing yourself to cry. Does that feel like liberation to you? Right. If it doesn't, choose liberation. What does liberation look like for you? If liberation looks like crying and allowing yourself to cry and not wiping the tears and not rushing yourself, allowing yourself to feel, do that. 
right. choose liberation. This is a time for you to be able to do that. Right. A lot of us are just like we are on the line of having it together and not. Right. It's okay to not have it together. Sometimes you got to fall apart. Yeah. And it's okay to do that. Yeah. You know, and it can feel scary. Mm-hmm. But it being tight and pulled together, if that doesn't feel like liberation, that ain't the move, sis. Absolutely. That ain't the move. Well, let's, let's, can you share with them the wood chopping? Because yep, now wood we're. Chopping. Yeah. So what I want to do, and, and before and I, I preface this by saying, so um, if you have, you can do it in a chair. If you have back, back problems um, where you can't um, like bend down, um, then check your check. I mean, you know your body, trust yourself. I'll do the exercise and you try it and see if you can do it. Don't hurt yourself. If you know you got serious back problems, then you may want to do the, not do this movement as hard. You can still do it, but you just won't be able to do it as hard. Um, the other thing, it involves uh, shouting. It involves shouting, um, well, not necessarily kind of shouting, um, but it involves you making some noise that is loud, right? Um, with, um, if you are in an apartment, if you are in a, a space that, um, if you're making a noise and you know your neighbors are like, are prone to call the police on you, don't do this. I'm always <laughs> about, about your safety. Yeah. Um, if there are people like in your, in your home right now, if you want to tell them real quick, I'm about to, I'm doing an exercise. I'm okay. Leave me alone, but it's, it's going to be a little loud. Do that. So you can do this uninterrupted. Right. If you can't do this tonight, um, try to do it during the day or go outside by a tree or somewhere to see, see if you can do that. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm all about safety. Um, because people still calling the police on black people out here. Okay. So let me get myself together. All right. You're going to stand up. I'm going to move this out of the way. The answer's about to be no. My daughter. All right, so move this back some more. Okay, so this is called the wood chopper. Let me turn this up some. Okay, so the way this goes, hey, so you're gonna, I have a skirt on, but my legs are about like hip width apart. And you're gonna put your hands together like this, like this little Charlie's Angels type. And so I'm gonna do it first, and then you can do it with me, but I'm gonna show you how to do it first. So you're gonna bend like you're squatting. So you're gonna bend down, bring your arms down like this. Here, you're breathing in, breathe in all the way up and back as far as you can, and then swing down with a ha, ha. So it's 
pressing the air out, right? So the way this is how it looks, okay? You're gonna go. That's how you're gonna do it, okay? Now, before you start, you might shake something loose. And it's okay if this energy, whatever it is that you're getting out, may wanna come out through laughter. It may wanna come out through tears. It may wanna come out through just your voice, just this, this yelling, right? Um, that's how you may wanna, it may wanna come out and that's okay. Um, you may cry and it's okay. Keep, you can keep going until you feel like you, you're getting it out and then you can sit down. If you start to feel lightheaded, then you can sit down as well. And again, you can do this in a chair um, as well, okay? All right, we ready? So Erica, go at your own pace. Hmm? question for you. Yep. Um, what is it releasing? Like what are they, what is happening? Anything. So with the wood chopper, this is a, a fire exercise. And it really is just to move energy out of your body. Okay. You don't even need to, it doesn't even need to have a name. You're okay. moving energy out and you're creating a space for whatever energy that you're holding that is not of your highest and greatest good, that is just seeking an outlet, you're giving it an outlet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. All right. The legs apart. You're going to start with your arms down. Mm -hmm. Squat down. Breathe in. Chop. Okay. How are y'all feeling? Type it in. Type in how you feel. What that was, what that experience was like for you. What it brought up. If you still chopping. Yes, you can do that sitting down. You just put your, do the same thing, but sitting. <clears throat> Shields in your arms. That's that energy, that tingling. Liberating, energized. A vibration, yes. Yep. Your whole back was tight. I'm not sleepy, but I'm yawning. Jerry, that's how energy comes out. You know, in this culture, we're told to like, you know, if we're at a meeting, you can't yawn, it's disrespectful, that's energy trying to get out. A little lightheaded, yeah. It brought us some tears I was not expecting. Yeah, make sure you allow yourself space to cry. 
Yeah. I'll stuck it back down. Let it out. Mm-hmm. I should have kept with it, but stopped. Tamika, why did you stop? Mm-hmm. Overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. About? Mm-hmm. Overwhelmed about what? Felt joy and laughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look, this part, overwhelmed about work, stress, anger, this, that exercise can release a lot of that. Just the energy itself. Tamika is an essential worker, Erica. She has to go every day. She's a therapist. So she's holding everybody else's stuff probably. Even more reason why you got to get this out. So yes, Tamika, I felt like I wouldn't be able to pull back. Yeah. Yeah. And what I want to say for you, and, and this is no judgment. It's okay that you stopped. It's okay that you stopped mm-hmm. because I don't know what you have around you. Um, this may, you might need some support for you in doing this, but I, there's, whatever it is that I'm feeling if you I don't know the last time you allowed yourself to cry or just to be on the floor this exercise could allow you to do that and what happens with the ego tells us if we start crying we're not going to be able to stop oftentimes it never lasts as long as we think it's going to last that cry it's not going to be as long. And one of the things that my mother always told me, she said, Erica, you can't fall off the floor. The only place you can go is up. Sometimes you got to have an on the floor moment to get it out. All the snot, all the tears, just to get it out. And that's the thing when you're so used to holding it together that it's like the default, right? But that's not honoring your humanity. Those of us who hold a lot have to have practices to release because a lot of this shit that's coming out is not even ours. So even if you feel like I can't do it and if if doing it for other people is gonna put you in that mindset of allowing you to do it, then do that. But you got to let it out, particularly in the position that you're holding. We can't play with this thing because that's not going to last you very long. And if you still want to be useful for other people, you have to allow yourself to get all that shit out. I don't know if you do any practices. Like after I see my clients, I make sure every week I try to do a, a spiritual bath to clear that out. And even doing the wood chopper doing that at the end of every session just to get it out right you have to do that you can't be no martyr out here you can't actually be effective in what it is that you're doing if you don't have an outlet okay so you got to have an outlet but try try to do this because there's something that's trying to to get 
out too. And one of the things I did with one of my clients was she said, um, she's an author, she's uh, 66 years old. And um, she said, words are her safe place. So when I had her do this exercise and there was no words with it, there was nothing she could hide behind. So that ha is powerful and it has energy that the English language doesn't have. So that might be, you don't need to talk about it. I'm a firm believer and those of you all that, that are in this, this field know, you don't heal trauma by talking about it. It's in your body. So you gotta do something, some body energy work to get that out, okay? Your mother, she keeps coming up. Is this normal? Yep. You make a space. You make a space. So this is a longer conversation. I don't know if you have an ancestral altar for your mother or if there is particular food that she likes, if there are colors that she likes you to wear, if there are, are things that she has been asking you to do that are within your capacity, you might need to do them. But at, at the start, right now, maybe just if you have a candle, just light that candle for her with the intention. Um, and she, she probably will come to you in, in a dream and have a clearer message for you. Um, but it, it makes sense. When you start clearing, you make space for a whole lot more. And our ancestors are really wanting to talk to us. But we have all this stuff going on that we can't hear them. And so this is making space. Thank you so much, Erica. Awesome. I put up a tip jar. I put your cash out. Oh, thank you. What is your... Um, what is your... If you don't... If people don't have cash out, what are the other... Um, PayPal, and I'll type in um, my PayPal. It's E-L Cotton. We overtime. We about 40 minutes overtime. So oh, I'm, we? I know. Thank you so much. But I mean, pretty much everybody stayed. Three people left that were here, <laughs> but we needed this. Yeah. And so your emotional emancipation circle is, is next Wednesday? Yes. Next so Wednesday. I will put up, I will, if you remind me, well, send me the link again. Just text it to me. And then I'll add okay. that to the recap tonight so that people can um, join because you have to, it's a Zoom and you join. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, she does it for, for tips. So, or, you know, you, you pay on a sliding scale. So, in exchange, yeah. In exchange, or, you know, a barter or whatever it is. So, mm -hmm. I will put that in. And then um, also, you all, so this, this is why I wanted to extend it because we need it. We needed this. And I knew they needed that, that wood chopper too, because don't, you know, everybody had lots of different emotions and I was the same way. And I was out on my yeah. balcony in the middle of the night under the full moon, talk about Ooh. some hot. Yes. And it felt so good. That's when so, you do it. Also, even for my course, I knew you needed it. It sold out in less than 24 hours. I'm so, so, so very grateful. But I do want to open up a few more slots for those of you who, who need this kind of thing. It's the nourishment that we're looking for, especially during this time. So I'm going to open up a few more slots. It'll just probably be for the next day because I need to 
settle down and get my list together and then I'm, and then I'm going to start working on it. So all that information will be in the in the link. So again, tip jar out for Erica. Thank you so, 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 so much. Welcome. I know I'm going to see all y'all next Wednesday at the Emotional Emancipation <laughs> And then for y'all DMVers, when we do them, the first Black Joy Sunday or circle is going to be lit, right? It's going to be off be the chain. We'll go together, y'all. If y'all yes. live around here, we will go together. Yes. So, Okay, sis. They sit, saying sit, hi. Sit, sit, doing the mean? shout outs. People shouting out the sit, sit. <laughs> talking about some hey. Uh-huh. Um, so but thank you again. I know your children are looking for some mommy time. They probably supposed to be in the bed by now. Mm -hmm. They're looking for some mommy time. So thank you so much. And again, you all tip jar for Erica for sharing her extra time and for that for that awesome advice. And look forward in the email and we'll see you on Wednesday. Bye, y'all. Oh, Have bye. a good night. Thank you. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you so much.